What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Total. I can't. I can't do it. You can't do it. This What's is already wrong? so scuffed. We're we're not we're recording, and we're staying with this channel. We're doing it. Uh, we're trying something a little different today, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We are all three of us remote in three separate locations, and already That's off correct. to a great start. <laughs> Having a blast. Good. Good. Uh, recording it. On our in our own homes in the comfort of our own homes. Exactly. Happy yeah. to be here, though. Happy to do it. Right. And we're all super confident with this whole technology thing. All so three of us equally competent with technology. That is correct. That's hundred percent the line I'm going with. Yeah, and we've all got great internet connections, so there's going to be no problem. Oh, there it is. Honestly, oh, if that man. happens, it's just going to be me vamping because I'm the one with the mixer. Blair. So point. <laughs> if at any point I just <laughs> am by myself finishing the episode, guys. Uh, that's what's going to happen, and that's what's getting put up. Uh, speaking Fantastic. of which, you're going to you're gonna have to uh, make all the ra- rankings by yourself. You're going you know to have to argue with yourself over the rankings. Yeah, you got, exactly. you got to argue. I will do it. I, I argue with myself constantly, so it'll be, it'll be a normal day for me. Uh, but welcome into Totem Talks. It is uh, Season 3, Episode 15. Uh, yeah. That's the one. The three-quarters of the, or three-fifths of the way mark. Yeah, which is crazy. We're going. I know. I feel like we're going really fast. It has Uh, seemed that way this season. We got to take it slow. We got to take it real slow. Actually, what we could do is just skip this episode. Would would that help? Would that, (laughs) would recording one fewer episode make it go slower (laughs) for some reason? It would make my heart feel better. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's all. Uh, today will be cathartic for you, I think. Uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. Honestly, I can uh, no spoilers on any opinions I may or may not have during this episode, but it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, and who Definitely are you? Definitely going to be interesting. Oh, uh, I'm Pat, and I'm Nick, and I'm Alex. Okay, and uh, <laughs> thank you for coming in, guys. Uh, thank you for uh, entering into this journey again with us. Our our fifteenth musical journey of season three. Uh, Pat's stalling. Yeah, I was going to say, who's on the journey with us today, Pat? Tell yeah, us. T- tell us. Today on the journey, uh, we're going to have Slayer, and then we're going to follow up Slayer with a band called Limp Bizkit, and then we get to close things out with Ray Charles. That is correct. So uh, I-, I guess I'll just start. Is there yeah, anything you guys want to say? Anything? Any? You know, you guys have the absolutely have the floor not. Here. I've no. literally said everything I'm going to say for the entire episode already. Okay. Well, Same then here. I'll start with uh, with Slayer. Uh, so Slayer uh, was an American thrash metal band from Huntington Park, California. Uh, they were formed in 1981, and they were active until 2019. So uh, they are done, oh, wow. apparently. Barring- yeah, they went on a farewell tour. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, but how many go. people have gone on farewell tours and just not Everyone. left? Exactly. Farewell tour part four. All. Like It happens every time. Yep, yep. Our first tour will be a farewell tour. Yeah, yeah. we should just Starting immediately go for the farewell tour. Why not? Uh, um, I love it. And we covered three albums by Slayer. Uh, we covered 1983's Show No Mercy. Uh, we covered 1990's Seasons in the Abyss and 2015's Repentless. And, uh, yes. And that's what we did. Yeah, who wants to go first on Show No Mercy? Not me. I'll go first. Hey, there it is. I didn't take any notes, so I'm going in maybe a little bit blind. Um, That's okay. The thing, the thing with Slayer, I don't, I don't, mm. nec- I didn't necessarily dislike any of their music, but it all just sounds the same. 
Like, there are some songs that maybe have a little bit of variety, but it's not enough that you can be like, man, this song sounds so distinct from the last one. Like, it all has the, the chugging chords, has yep. the blazing fast riffs, the unison lines, and, it, and they do it very well. Like, I think Slayer is one, probably one of the best for the genre. It's just not really a genre that I find myself listening to all the time. Not really a genre that I think I'll, I'll listen to much after this. But it's uh, it's a good genre. Like, it, they do it good. I'm, I wasn't, like, sad at all when I had to listen to this. Um, but, like, for a first effort, there were definitely, like, production was a little bit, like, on the on the downside. But um, mm. they they really were strong. I was headbanging to a lot of the songs. Um, and, and it was good. I don't have any notes, so I'm kind of... Making yeah, no, this up I get as it. I go, okay, so. no, no, no. Flying blind. I, yeah, I don't think blind. you're that far off because I have a lot of the same things. Like, there's definitely a a sameness issue, like you said, like the like you can only do that in every song for like two thirds of the song so many times before I just want to put my head through the wall. Like, I yeah. I can't listen to that same rhythmic pattern over and over and over and over again. Um. And the same thing goes for the lyrics here, which it's like by the third song, I'm like, okay, so you're like the soldiers of hell and all men shall perish. Like, okay, I get it. You've said that like variations on that for every single lyric for every one of these songs, please sing about something else or just do instrumentals. I'm, I'm not interested in hearing that message on repeat over and over and over again. Um, but I will also say, like like Alex said, I do think there's definitely like talent to be seen here. Um, certainly not in the vocals, uh, but in the instrumentals, there's definitely some like guitar moments where I'd go like, "Oh wow, okay, that was really interesting and cool." Um, but there was also a lot of guitar stuff that I I got bored with by the end of the album. It's like I didn't want to really hear you rehash that again. So I left this album not thinking at all that they were like talentless or bad at metal. But just like, my God, it, could you write a different song instead of the same song ten times in a row so that I could try to enjoy this as as an experience? That's it for the for the I, record. You can go. I guess it's my turn. Yeah. Uh, I hated it. I hated it so much. I like legitimately hated it. It was completely repetitive over and over again. Uh, I've heard one of my favorite things about the metal genre, which. I will be honest, I'm not a huge fan of, and I've I've been open about that right. on the show before, but my favorite part about it is that you get to hear these classical influences, and there was none. It was like the testosterone rock of mm. metal. Sure. I, I, I'm Every... going to interject here real quick, Pat. I sure. think when when you say you like the classical undertones, I don't know many like metal, like hard metal, thrash metal bands like this that do the, the classical leaning stuff. I think it's more prog metal or like neoclassical stuff yeah that kind of tend toward that which is also fine, yeah but like expecting that out of slayer like well i'm not expecting kind of like it a, right our yeah the problem was like our introduction to metal like proto metal on the podcast has been uriah heap deep purple rainbow which mm. are all just like phenomenal groups who are like incredibly talented and diverse songwriters and then we got this which yeah, i got you, know, you. listen it's definitely a different genre of metal. Yeah, like, oh, I, I for don't sure. disagree with you in that the other stuff's like well, like better. way better. It's miles <laughs> yeah. better. This is just extremely repetitive uh, over and over again. It's all the same, you know, themes and lyrics as you guys had mentioned. 
my exact notes, uh, which were thrilling, to say the least. Of course. Um, it's really hard to hear musical intricacies over the screaming, which is bad. Yeah. Uh, I can hear it I, now, and it's meh at best. Uh, right. The one note I did have was the guitar solos, the shredding was at least well done. Right. Uh, yeah, the- now I have a question for you guys in regards to the vocals, which is it seemed to me that there were definitely a lot of times where he was purpose like there was no sense of melody anymore. It was just like shouting. Yes. And he had no he wasn't even going for notes. Like sometimes it would not be offensive and stand out, and then other times the shouting would be like, Oh, that sounds out of key. Oh wait, he's not actually even trying to hit a note, he's just screaming something. <coughs> I think one of the things with metal music is that it's just basically like sometimes they just try to do that like wall of of sound kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Where it's just like you're just it's abrasive. And you know, some people it's like, Oh my god, that's so cool, like the the blast beats and the chug like right. all that stuff. And they're screaming, Oh my gosh, he's screaming, so cool. But it's just like at some point it's just like where's the music in this? Ex- I totally and agree. That's the biggest yeah. problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, Pat, I'll let you carry on now. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean I just had my, I had highlights and lowlights here. The highlights were it's definitely a strong identity. That's what they were going for. They got they nailed what they were going for. I just right. wish they went for something else. Yep. Um. Then that's pretty much it. Lowlights were the lyrics and the re- and the repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I I guess it's up to me uh to take us in to the that's second correct. album, uh, which is Seasons in the Abyss. Mm-hmm. Uh. And you will be shocked to know that I feel the exact same way. Uh, not a lot of growth between albums. I was actually shocked at how much time had passed. Yeah. Uh, between these albums, uh, I was expecting it to be like six months, and it was mm. many years. <laughs> nine yep. years, eight, seven, six years. Well, consistency is key, Patrick. Seven years. <laughs> I mathed real good there. Yeah. I to know. be fair, I didn't look it. at the uh, <laughs> I didn't look at the sheet and just guessed. That's fine. Um, yeah. So yeah, seven years had gone by. And if you would have told me seven months had gone by, I'd have totally believed you. There was absolutely no growth. Uh, the one thing that I would give them is that it was it was more frantic. Like I felt more frantic energy. It didn't sure. just feel like it didn't just feel like these guys had energy and were just like like I felt more energy in the drumming. I felt better. Like I felt like they played better. Uh, but it's still sure. the lyrics were still suspect at best, and it was still super repetitive and yelly for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I honestly like my only note that is any different from the first album is I do think to some extent it might just be better vocal writing. It went from every single time there was a vocal note at all, it completely took me out of the moment to just the majority of the time when anything was happening with vocals, it completely took me out of it. And sometimes there were notes that weren't like completely ruining the song for me. And that's it. Like otherwise yeah. it's exactly the same. Yeah. I think the production was better. Sure, that probably that probably helps too. Uh they had they had Rick Rubin producing the uh album. Right. Which it sounded cleaner, you know, there was definitely like an uptick in that. But yeah, same album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Fair enough. So I guess that brings us to we're just gonna dive all the way into uh, Repentless. Yes. All the way up to 2015. Uh, I mean, Alex, technically you're up to go again. Did you want to kick us off on this one? Uh, no, I started us off entirely. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right. One. I'll just jump back in. Um, so time has passed. A lot of time has passed, and actually, 
uh, one of the members of the band originally, uh, Jeff Hahnemann. He has died from liver cirrhosis, like, I guess, during the early stages of writing for this record. Um, so I think there's like one of his compositions that made it on, if I'm if I'm not wrong. Um, but otherwise, um, you know, he's not involved and they had to bring in a new guitarist for the, like it was the first time in a long time, I think, that they'd done a lineup change uh, to bring in Gary Holt to be the second guitarist to carry King on this record. Uh, and I got to say, I mean, this is um, it makes a huge difference uh, in no way, shape or form to how much I enjoyed the music. It was it was again pretty much the same album. Uh, what I really will say that I liked was the first song, Delusions of Savior, uh, was instrumental. So there was a two-minute uh, section to start the a- album where the vocals weren't completely taking me out of every single moment uh, because they are still bad and shouty and not really melodic in any way. Uh, and I'm otherwise so completely bored of this genre and how samey every single song sounds that I can barely concentrate my way through this album. Which is ironic, because isn't it exactly the opposite of what it's supposed to do? Yeah. Like, isn't the genre supposed to pump you up? Yeah, you know what else I was kind of surprised by? Like, I guess I don't really know my metal subgenres all that well, but I saw that we were doing Slayer this week, and I was like, oh, that's a metal band. We should strap in for some, like, really long albums, because I kind of expect metal bands to have, like albums that are closer to between like 50 and 70 minutes whereas like with pop or rock groups i'm kind of thinking between like 30 and 45 minutes per album sure uh these are very quick albums this was the longest one uh and it was just under 42 minutes yeah i know but i was like they were like 30 some minute albums like all the songs are like around three minutes that's just not something i expected from the genre at all so slayer surprised me that way there you go uh listen yeah and i'm glad the songs were short I'm, obviously, I don't think Slayer is a bad metal band. I just don't love metal at all. <laughs> yeah, you've really come around on not liking that now that we're listening to metal bands that aren't Deep Purple and Rainbow. Uh, yeah, I well, listen, <laughs> it makes a difference. I like I like when you take something and do something interesting with it. Mm-hmm. Like you take you take classical music. And you do something interesting with it. You play it with, you know, really, really strong riffs and electric instruments and, you know, a lot of distortion. And it creates this interesting sound. This is just a double bass pedal and yelling and fast guitar. And I expected yeah. better bass playing, too, to be honest. And didn't get it. I was too busy singing. Yeah. I just I didn't say, get I feel I like just, a lot of... A lot of metal bass lines. I feel like the stereotype is just like tune your bass down to the lowest note it can hit and then just play that for three minutes. I just expected I honestly like I was looking for I was looking for a reason to have more positive things to say. I really was. Um, Yep. I just by the end of this, my only note was there was maybe some more musicality in this one. Maybe it seemed like they pulled a little bit from sources. Uh, at least That's that was good. kind of the attempt. You got to cite your sources. But other than that, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right, I'll, Alex, what did I'll, you think? I'll wrap it up with some positivity. I think that good. that I I think I'm a little bit higher on on this than than like in terms of just listening. I thought like everything you guys are saying are totally valid. It's repetitive. It's not really anything like interesting from song to song. It's just kind of like they all blend together. Um, but I think in terms of like metal bands, they do it really well and they it's not like super boring like a lot of like 
you hear some of the metal bands that are kind of trying to up and come, and it's just like it's just kind of like the, every single song is just wall of sound, and they're doing everything wrong, and it's like not really great. At least with this, you're getting at least like kind of some variety. Like they slow it down sometimes. They're technically very proficient, um, but like it's. I I couldn't finish that without going like it's just repetitive and it's just uh-huh. like you yeah. know so I mean I I'm trying to be positive with it but it's just it's just not yeah no it's tough it's well, tough yeah it's 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 they're good at what they do like I if I were a fan of metal I think Slayer would probably be one of the best bands in the world but I'm not a fan of like I'm not a big fan of metal so I don't like right. that at all fair enough the lead right. singer was uh, influenced by uh, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones fascinating he cites, where cites that as two of his biggest influences where He's was like, he you influenced know the, by them you know those like tiny little three second moments in a handful of Beatles and Stone songs where they scream. I just <laughs> wanted to make that the entire melody for every song. Hey. So, Maybe. yeah. All right, let's grade them. Uh, so Slayer uh, is albums. one of the, I was going to so say, we well, aware. they're one of Cultural the impact. the <laughs> big so four aware. of thrash metal, right? Yes. So there's a big four. There's Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth, and Slayer. And so off the top of my head, I was Wait, very Metallica much like Metallica. Is the same genre as Slayer. That's like that's like the thing in the metal community is like there's a big four like the Mount Rushmore of thrash metal: Anthrax, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. I, okay, sure. Uh, and I would thought like Metallica is the clear number one in cultural impact of them, and then the next one that would have come to my mind was Slayer. I would have been like, okay, Metallica one, then Slayer's kind of a distant two. So I actually did a little research in terms of like just to compare the sales against each other. Megadeth actually kind of significantly outsold Slayer. Like I Megadeth would have has said, a bunch I of platinum records, Megadeth. and then see, because I here's the, I guess Slayer's more of like a meme. Like you see more people with Slayer merch on. You hear pe- people like yeah. screaming Slayer is kind of a, a cultural meme. Sure, uh, I get so that. So I was kind of thinking like that's a name that's more likely to come to mind for people. But it definitely didn't translate in terms of like their sales. No, so that's for sure. I mean, I don't think it's a bad score. Obviously, I think it's going to be one of their better scores that we give them today. <laughs> but I don't think it's like crazy high either because I don't metal. Think un- yeah, metal in like and of an itself is right. I feel like there are a couple of things like when we talk about metal, when we talk about prog. Unfortunately, like for the most part, bands that are successful in that genre are still out of the mainstream. Yeah. So like with with like a few exceptions from each genre like they don't even they don't even peak as high as as like a pop artist would peak or a classic rock artist would peak or something like that uh, i mean i'm i don't I'm, know what do you guys think? i'm hovering like maybe around average okay i'm a little bit higher than that i think i'm i'm in like the 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 high fives to the sixes but like maybe mm-hmm. like five and a half i can i can settle with yeah maybe in the fives for sure for me because like i because, think yeah. They're a better name. They're like they're like a name that you know. It's not like like they are. I would know I would know uh, uh, this over some other bands that we've covered and given higher. Right. Okay. And now, if I was to say off the top of your head to name five Slayer songs, how many people could get any further than Raining Blood? A uh, War Ensemble. I've okay, never so heard you've of now that. named two. So you literally you can, we literally listened to it on the second album. Okay, right. But on. I'm saying like. This is important. Aside from our Alex, listening, you this are week, somebody I who just listened to three songs. albums by this band. Can you name five songs? I can. Can you? Yeah. You if I them? look them up, Raining Blood. Okay. War Ensemble. Repentless. Yeah. Seasons all right. Pull the, the title. Yeah. He's pulling the title tracks. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Chasing I'm gonna, Death. I'm gonna give you guys a five-four because I'm in between the two of you. I'm on this. 
Okay. They're a name. They like I'm not going to say like they're they're like uh, people who are like going out there being like, "Oh my god, Slayer is one yeah. of the best people in the world." But like if you're like, uh, "Do you know who who Slayer is?" They would go, "Yeah, they're a metal band." Sure. Yeah. And then okay. if you ask any deeper, they'll be like, "Uh, well, yeah." So in terms of sales, you Pat already said there were 12 albums. Four of them went gold in the United States. According uh, to Nielsen Sound Scan, mm-hmm. uh, they have sold five million copies uh, of of one of, of something in the U.S., which I think is fascinating. A lot. Yeah, I mean, according to <laughs> according to the RIAA, the they RIAA, have not. Yeah. Right. I just found that funny. Um, I'm reading that. I'm like, um, I don't believe that's true. Yeah, go figure. Um, look, that that helps them a little bit. The quality, I don't think I'm not gonna knock them. Uh, but it's not gonna help them at all here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the not. fact that they managed to take one song and re-record it 12 times, and then put that <laughs> those 12 songs on the, an album 12 different times over and over and over and over again, and people still bought them, is you know worth what? something, I guess. I, 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 I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with the sales. Okay. I want to revisit the, the cultural impact score. Okay. No. I, I just looked, and Soundgarden's a 5.2, and I, I don't think Slayer is more culturally impactful than Soundgarden. I disagree. I'm okay with a 5.1. You think Slayer's more impactful than – I think Black Hole Sun's better known than, than any – I would definitely agree in terms of like – I'm okay with like uh, a 5. We can go down to a 5.2. So, Pat, I'm on your side. With I know. This. We're going I know. Yeah. To I, be fair – what I would say is, on a song by song basis, I think more people would know like two or three Soundgarden songs. Like they might know "Fell on Black Days" and "Spoon Man" in addition. Uh, yeah, but Slayer, I definitely think is the fact that they're kind of foundational to the burgeoning popularity of metal exactly. in the early '80s is worth okay. something, you know. So, okay, just to be clear, I argued for a 5.5. Pat was like, that's too high. And then now I'm like, I want to come down. And Pat's like, no, we can't come down. Come <laughs> well, on, we've Pat. settled on 5.4 is a good uh, idea. What are we but doing? anyway. I'm willing anyway. to go to a 5.3. I still think they should be No, we're staying on 5.4 now. No, we're staying okay, on 5.4. No, five, if we don't five. go to a 5.3, I quit the podcast. No, we're staying on 5.4. Guys, see you, Pat. guys, on task, on task, breadth of work. Where are we at? 12 albums, four golds. Not good. What, What's not the average? Good. Average is five, but it's for six albums. So they're way above average. Um, so well, they're double the average, but they're not good on sales. But they're not they're that not great that on, sales. on sales. They're, they're okay, and they're not that good they're, on quality. You know, they've got stuff, and they're not that good on quality. I'm gonna say like six, all the way to a six. Yeah. Huh? I mean, they doubled the number. I'm giving them a point oh, for man, doubling Pat's the number hate and getting one. four golds, basically. I mean, I guess I understand. Like the instrumentalists, I agree. When we get to instrumental talent, like there was definitely some good stuff shown on guitar, but the the absolute horrific nature of the vocals significantly hurts them here too i'm gonna be on pat's yeah. side like when the the singer is so bad that he can't even hit a note in the melody and he screams every word and it it's like bad. there wasn't one second of vocals where i wasn't like this makes the song worse there wasn't a single time when a, a vocal note happened where I was like, oh, that improves the song or that keeps the song yeah. where it's at. It was every second like, oh, that makes the song significantly worse to listen to. And that's a right. I'm not even saying that that makes them like a below average band, but that takes like some very good guitar playing and starts to bring it to a back to earth score. OK, so like what yeah. would you be thinking? I because they are like I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. The vocals are not great. I think but I think for, for the genre, the vocals are good. <laughs> like just because we don't yeah, just because we don't like comparing. it doesn't mean no yeah, yeah. No, no no i i get you i get you but like so i, I don't know i'm somewhere in in the sixes okay pat what do you think uh, i could i could get to a six 
Because here's no, because here's my thing. I thought the guitar okay. was good. I thought the bass was just there, nothing special at all, average at I best. I agree with that. And I thought maybe the dr- the double bass pedal on the drum was interesting. Like the rhythms were a little interesting, but it felt other, like and more then of the a vocals te- brought it down. Yeah, for yeah. for me, like so. I I don't mean this to like totally bag on the drummer or anything because what he does is incredibly difficult. But yeah. it's at a certain point, it felt to me as more of like a physical feat than a musical one. If you understand, that's I was like, this this drummer be, is an incredible yeah. athlete who does stuff that I have no interest in listening. That's like not that good to listen to. He's yeah, just like a great like, athlete. It's still uh, sure. A, a no, I understand. To do, like you know? if yeah, but you even were if the you, if world's you fastest. Two... Like if you could play chromatic scales on your bass faster than anyone else in history, you'd be incredibly, you know, like gifted at technically speaking. But would that be worth listening to? Is that great? Well, if I what play, makes playing great? If I can play pentatonic scales super fast, which is like half of what rock sure. music is. Like, yeah, of course. You're not. So you're like, not wrong. I think, I think that the. But that's the, what I'm saying. Like, there's more to being good at something than being technically so technically good at it that you do it fast. I think like that's you still have a to be. It's it's a talent. We're but not it's saying not, he's like, not talented. It's not exactly. the only thing that factors into talent. Like, Look, I can we're play running my guitar really, Slayer. really fast. To, yeah, I know. I'm saying. What do you mean? Anyway, we're, we're running long I'm okay on Slayer. With the we six. spent like one minute on every album going, it was okay. And then yeah, <laughs> I'm okay and with yet the six. We're running, you know. Uh, fine. We can get six is what it is. Uh, songwriting talent, we've bagged on them pretty badly at this point, but I will at least say that they deserve a little bit of credit for like kind of being foundational to metal. Uh, to being one of those early thrash metal groups. So, like, they were getting in at the start of something new when they did it, but the problem was they never once grew from that point. So I don't think we can I, trash their songwriting talent Nick, because... I just need to let you know... Of that? Go ahead. I need to let you know because you definitely don't know that you did it. I don't know. You just quoted High School Musical. Uh, really? Yeah, one of the... one of The the first song, actually, is the start of something new. I just needed okay. you to know that you did that and had no idea that you did it. Of course, I definitely would not know that. Now, but do you guys agree with what I'm saying? Free. I mean, do you, do I you do understand what, what I, what I, I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think they deserve a super low score, but, like, boy, would you guys have to convince me to get them all the way back up to average, too. No. Like, they should get a few <laughs> points for being foundational to metal, and then nothing good happened from there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I actually was, I was leaning on a number here, and the number okay, I ahead. was leaning on was a three and a half. Beautiful, I love it. I'm, I'm yeah, going with it. That, and for all the reasons you said, I'm not going to reiterate them. You, you made good Great. points. Okay, and then the poetic talent. One. Unfortunately, it wasn't breakthrough the way that like the style was, but it was in fact all the same from beginning to end with every song. I mean, so like w- w- maybe a one. I'm fine with a one. Because I mean, there's nothing bad. really to it. I mean, it. they were bad at yeah. best. I agree. It definitely not in a genre that's about the lyrics, which yeah. is fine. But I agree. You get bagged for that. So question. Yeah. When it comes to X Factor and, like, I mean, we can talk about thrash metal kind of as its own branch that they maybe deserve some credit for. Like, I guess it depending on who you are, you might attribute early metal to more Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, Black Sabbath. Or you could be someone who attributes metal to the stuff that comes a little bit later on or uh, in the late 70s and stuff. But I think there's at least maybe a conversation in which Slayer is talked about as starting certain genres of metal or like being a part of the foundation of them, popularizing them. Uh, So I think there's at least, I mean, we don't have to give them a full two points or anything, but do we think that they deserve anything under X Factor for that? I'd be willing to give them like in between half a point and a point in that situation. Okay. 
because of what let's you're saying. Do, like, let's do right in between there. All right, point seven. Point seven five. All right, well then that's a point eight. <laughs> we'll do point seven. Point seven. Spiritually. Okay, good. Fantastic. Let's move on to Limp Biscuit. Okay, so Limp Biscuit, as uh, as they're colloquially known, is an American right. rap rock band from Jacksonville, Florida, home of the Jaguars, and uh, yeah. they make music. And they've been active from 1994 till 2006, then again from 2009 till the present day. And Thank goodness. We did, <laughs> we did three of their albums. We did Three Dollar Bill, y'all, from 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, we followed that up with Significant Other from 1999. And then we closed it out with Gold Cobra from 2011. That's right. And they do have another album coming out soon, but we we were unable to. Uh, we tried to get the it only touch says with them so they can give us. Like yeah, it a, says TBA. A, it doesn't a, even say unreleased it. album. Right, but it doesn't even say TBA on like their discography page on Wiki. So yeah, well, it says it on their uh, on their discography section of their main page. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, they're just not on the discography. Yeah, so that's it. Right. It's not um. On so I I need to go first here. I'll allow it. Okay. So I'm going to go over $3 bill, y'all. And Please. it was transcendental. Might have been one of the best things I've ever heard, except for the fact that it was actually the worst thing I've ever listened to. <laughs> and I'm a worse person for having heard it. Yeah. I hated it. I hated every second of it. It was weird. The intro was weird. I hated it so much. It was screaming. There was nothing special at all in terms of the music. It was just your typical 90s rap bullcrap. Like, the lyrics were, at best, misogynistic, at worst, <laughs> like, worse than that. Yeah. Uh, like, I couldn't believe how bad it was. Fred Durst can't sing. Fred Durst can't rap. Um... The bass uh, was Pat, pretty did good. You not he- I was going to say, did you not hear his beautiful vocals on their cover of Faith? I Don't get me started on how. <laughs> I literally, I actually had a moment where I was like, can I not listen to this? Yeah. I had a moment like, I heard, Faith. I heard that riff. I heard the riff for Faith and went, mm-hmm. I know what's coming. Can I just skip it or do I have to listen to it? Yeah. I had a moment in Faith where I was like. Like, because Fred Durst went, baby, and it sounded good. And then it just, like, the rest of it was yeah. with Fred Durst. Yeah, the like, funny oh, thing is, on, too, like, I, aside from, like, Fred Durst sort of being, like, a personality from that time, the only thing that I really knew Limp Biscuit from was I knew that their cover of Behind Blue Eyes was considered, like, one of the worst releases of all time. Yes. So I was like, okay, so this is a band known for, like, the worst cover song ever made. Yeah. Let's see what and happens. It, it's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. I agree. It received mostly positive reviews from critics. I can only assume everyone was just high in 1997. Yeah, right? Robert yeah. Robert Chris Gow I was gonna hated say, it. Chris Gow also hated it. Yeah. Good. You know what? I like mm-hmm. when Chris Gow and I can agree on things. I still That's think he's right. wrong about half the time, but the right. half that he agrees but with me on, he's right. Love it. <laughs> um Alex, did you want to go or do you want me to go? Go ahead, Nick. Okay. Um I agree. With Pat, this album was absolutely horrific. I mean, uh, stop screaming. He's bad at singing. He's bad at screaming. He's bad at rapping. Like you said, the lyrics didn't help. Um, There was a song on here called Nobody Loves Me. And I was like, well, I mean, did you think that that song was going to change their minds? Because I hate you now, too. Like, it was just absolutely horrific to listen to. And here's the other thing. 
I was really kind of expecting the metal bands to have the long albums. This was like one of their shorter albums from the kind of prime of their career, and it's over an hour long. Why was this album 61 and a half minutes to long? To be fair, there was it is no considered need. new metal and rap metal. Also, rap core. I guess, but I mean, I wasn't... Like, why did this album have to be over an hour long? Because like, that's an Fred hour Durst of my life I'll knew. never get back. Fred Durst, while recording this album, knew... You know, in 20 plus years, someone is going to make a podcast and they're going to review our albums. And I want to torture them as much as humanly possible. I guess. I mean, it was just like, I mean, uh, it was so bad to listen to. I was listening to it on headphones like I, I wasn't listening to it out loud or anything. But I spent the entire time I was listening to it on my break at work, terrified that someone's going to come into my classroom and, oh, what are you listening to? Because I would have been embarrassed to say because I, I was I just felt so gross that I was even listening. I couldn't have even admitted it that to another human being that I had listened to Limp Biscuit. I wanted to yeah. wash my ears out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm done. literally, this album was so like the lyrics were so misogynistic there's literally a controversy section on the Wikipedia of talking about how how misogynistic the lyrics are. Yeah, uh, which because is, they're disgusting. Which is just something. Yeah. All right, Alex. Uh, so I, I went into this week hearing from Pat and Nick about how much fun Limp Bizkit is going to be to listen to. <laughs> and uh, I, I, don't, I don't remember that. I got I to gotta say, I like this album. Please and tell me you're kidding. I know Pat and Nick think I'm joking, but I'm really not. Please tell me you're I kidding. Think you this be album, kidding. I think this album was fun. I don't think this what? is... Yeah, no, I, I really this do like it. This is not real. Uh, no, I, I, not when real. I was listening to it, I, I have in my notes, I thought it was a fun album. I don't think it's anything that's going to change the world. Nothing I'm going to listen to again. But when I was listening to these songs, I, I thought that... They do a really good blend of the, of bad the rap and, worse. and the rock music. Please. Of the rap and the rock music. I think that Fred Durst's vocals are not good, but they. I don't think he uh, thinks... If he thinks they're good, then he's, like, sadly mistaken. I think <laughs> they're they're bad, but they're, like, they're fun. Like, it's not... Like, he knows they're bad, and so he's he's just doing it to be funny. And I think that Wes Borland was a really creative guitar player on this album, like in terms of like, because I think sometimes with the rap rock stuff, it, it kind of just falls a little bit more. Did we listen to the like same album? Chords. We did. Yes. Uh, Are you and sure? Wes, we did. Yes. And like, I think Wes Borland was kind of the stuff he was doing to find his place in the album was really creative. He did a lot of two hand tapping stuff. He did a lot of stuff with the like, uh, like kind of, um, kill switching his guitar i guess kind of like tom morello-esque kind of stuff and i thought it was really creative i don't think this is in any way the next beatles or the next you know anything like that but i think it was certainly an album that i had fun listening to i okay and pat I, before I, this was like none of you guys like this album right and i had to i stayed silent cause I, I wanted to be a surprise on the podcast believe how bad that opinion is <laughs> Uh, and listen, I, I think Limbiscuit uh, are definitely like leading contenders for like Razzies this season. You know, like some of the worst I, of the worst. No. Of the it was. It I was thought it was really fun. They are for I the two was, of us. I, well, I thought what it was did you really think of fun. Significant Other, Alex? I, I thought it was more of the same. Are you kidding? You know? Yeah, well, I thought it was. So fun. did I. To be fair, but <laughs> yeah, and and like and and they really kind of broke into more of like their like like to see a little bit more of the hip hop influence 
on uh, Durst's and um, what is it, uh, DJ Lethal on their side, kind of like embracing the hip hop on uh, like their influences on there, um, on like and together now and, and trust. I think were the two songs that kind of like really had the the those kind of influences. Um, really was nice hold on actually i do want to say one thing about the the other album they had i think this was the album with the like 10 minute song at the end the 15 minute song 16 minutes yeah that was too long that was a horrible song like it it should have ended at the four minute mark i think i think limp biscuit is a great four minute mark uh band anything longer and it's just too much Anyway, once they hit one second, they've gone too long i literally can't even i mean i i I agreed with you yeah uh, to be fair, I agreed with Alex when he said this album, the second album, was more of the same. Uh, but for me, that was just more of the. It was the worst album I ever heard again. For I, I am this time another sixty-three floored. minutes. Lord, guys, yeah. I think you're this was terrible. This, you're taking this too seriously. I want you to know, I'm in no way going to be like scoring them in like the sevens no, and the eights and stuff like that. I know, but like in terms of like, I had the enjoyment level listening to this album it was i enjoyed that no i shouldn't say this i'm gonna say it i'm gonna create controversy i enjoyed listening to this more than i enjoyed listening to the righteous brothers okay i literally i can't even believe okay it. so it's awful anyway, and misogynistic awful. No, was, and terrible to yeah, listen to well you know i don't listen yeah. to lyrics right so I, no, the, so lyrics, that out the lyrics are absolutely atrocious and disgusting uh and that continues all throughout the second album as well uh it was bad the only song so to be fair like I was shocked at the sales on these records because I had only ever even heard the name of one Limp Bizkit original song, and it was Nookie. I was like, okay, well, this is their most famous original song. It's terrible. It was awful. I, I hated every second of it. Like, I, I mean, there was no redeeming quality in this album uh, whatsoever. The best I can say is on occasion, there are like, snippets of time in the music where it's not literally the worst thing i've ever heard but a lot of it is uh a lot of it is and the 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 outro rant at the end where they're talking about how radio sucks and how none of the songs are meaningful or real art anymore it's like dude you just like screamed curses and profanity and horrible things about women for a full hour and you're complaining about what's on the radio that was radio dj matthew pinfield who did that yeah, I mean, who did that really? Like Limp Biscuit is Limp saying Biscuit. something profound. Limp, what profound like writing is is coming out of this album or this band at any time that you're that is better? Like honestly, bubblegum trash nonsense is at least better than actively being offensive. Yeah, um, N- not none of it's art, but at least it's not directly so trying to hurt people. I'll go into this one. I obviously agree with Nick. It's garbage. It's trash. Uh, quick trigger warning. Uh, just just so anybody who may be triggered is aware, uh, starting now. Uh, this album has another controversy section. Uh, they performed uh, at Woodstock 1999 uh, as part of the tour for this album. And during the song Break Stuff, uh, the audience broke stuff and like tore apart different plywood walls during the performance. Also... Several sexual assaults were reported in the aftermath of the concert stemming from that performance and from that song. And Fred Durst came out and said it was it was the promoter's fault for booking their band due to the reputation for raucous performances. Uh, okay, so says a lot. <laughs> uh, that's the end of that uh, trigger warning. I'm just going to go back into how terrible the music is. Um, And it is uh, the fact that uh, like. Looking at some of the people that were fe- like featured on here, 
you have Scott Wayland, you have uh, Method Man, who definitely should not, like, from a technical standpoint, Fred Durst, you made a mistake by having somebody who can rap be on this album. (laughs) Because after listening to the first album and getting all the way through this album to track number 10... I'm starting to like, you know, it's like Stockholm Syndrome of like, okay, maybe the rapping is not as bad as I thought. And then they bring in Method Man who can actually rap. And immediately he's going back and forth with Durst. And it's like, oh, never mind. Yeah. Ne- and Scott Weiland can actually sing. Yes. And Scott Weiland can actually sing. But we we were never prepared for the Fred Durst being able to sing. Nobody was. No. no. Nobody's arguing that. Uh, so just. <laughs> That's pretty much what I've got. It's 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 Great. really really bad stuff. Yeah, and you're gonna be shocked to know it continues. <laughs> uh, it, it it continues. Um, here's the thing. I thought the second album, while being more of the same, was better than the first album. Mm-hmm. And I think that they it was because it was more melodic. It was very '90s, very rap, like very like hip hop '90s music. But it was like a 0.5 out of 10, and the first one was a 0 out of 10 for me. Sure. And then they just took a huge step back, I felt, in, in this most recent album, in Gold Cobra. Which, you know, that's, that's annoying, because like you're making progress, it feels like, and you just didn't. The, the title track was okay. Um, it was lyrically still just as bad, maybe slightly slightly better than number than than the first album in terms of its like misogyny but but still bad and and it was just nothing yes. special at all I, I, I it was immature is, is yeah, you is know the i was best i can say that's definitely the correct word to describe all of their music uh but i was gonna say the immaturity it ages so well when you get to their last album of course that's not true at all uh <laughs> the lyrics are gross it's gross. Uh, everything about it is it's gross um, I pretty much got to the point where I was just like, all right, I'll just respond to the song titles. Douchebag. Yeah, you are, Fred Durst. Uh, walking away. I wish I could walk away from you for all time. Uh, loser. Yeah, you are. Like, it's just all, it's disgusting. I, I hated it. It, it I'm, I was so done with Limp Bizkit at this point, and I even broke up the album listening because I could not take it all at once, trying yeah. to, like, put a day or two between the albums for them. Uh, it it didn't help. I mean, it was just it was pure torture to get through their discography. It was it was horrific. Guys, Alex, tell us why you lo- it, ended up loving this album. Uh, it was know, so much like, fun, guys. It, it was. Oh my god, it was not. You guys got to stop. Like, they're not gonna be the next like freaking Beatles or Radiohead or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but like, we're not looking for fun. We're looking for not actively offensive. It wasn't. It was like it to was. my ears, it was good music. Okay, you have a weird taste. I have never questioned your taste in music more than finding out that you enjoyed listening to Limp Biscuit. I enjoyed <laughs> listening to Limp Biscuit. Okay. I'm going to say I, I'm a proud biscuiter. No, I'm not a proud biscuiter. I, <laughs> I I He's a biscuit ne- like, boy. It's making me rethink everything I thought I knew about you. Uh, well, that sucks for you then. Yeah. Because okay. I'm, I'm saying Low Totem should become only Limp Biscuit covers, and if not, I quit the band. Great. Congratulations uh, on quitting the band. <laughs> <laughs> no, we but I mean, never do like, Olympus. Oh, all right, cover. let him finish. Let him finish. This album was definitely a step back. I agree. Like when you're aging like this, when you're however old you are now, and you're still singing kind of about the same stuff, it does get a little weird. Um, but I thought like like production was good just because of you know it's more recent. 
Um, I think some of the songs were nice. Uh, Shotgun stood out to me. I really I enjoyed that one. Um, but beyond that, it, yeah, it, it, like you guys said, it kind of gets a little stale at, when you're getting older. I yeah. enjoyed it more than you guys did, but I, I can, it, sure. it definitely was a step back. And here's kind of a thing for me, too. Like, you would maybe forget if it was just like the first album with the lyrics and Fred Durst was like 18 or 19 when it came out because, like, we've had a lot of artists who start in their teens and then he matures a little bit from there. Fine. But he was 27 when their first album came out and he was 29 when the second album came out. I'm 29. I would never write anything like that. And then the last one, he what was he like? 41 years old and he's still writing like a 41 year old man is like writing this but you have you have other people who are like that yeah but uh, like the rolling stones don't they only like write about sex and misogyny and shit Uh, it's definitely a thing it's definitely so like so like once we get not gonna help we get to the rolling stones you guys better talk about how shitty their lyrics are and how much you hated listening to them come on alex really hates the rolling stones but yes no that that's definitely an issue uh let's just grade them yeah uh okay cultural impact well, people know who Limp Biscuit is. I actually yeah. had no clue who Limp Biscuit were before. I was gonna say, considering the fact that, like, I had no clue. I guess Nookie was like kind of their biggest hit, and I had never even heard it before. I was only a- vaguely aware that it existed. It's kind of weird. Like, they sold really, really, really well. Like, but then I guess maybe because no one could really play their songs on the radio without having you to bleep out to all it. of the lyrics. You had to buy it to get it, so like they had a hard time getting like popular through radio play. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember at the time because I was seven years old or whatever when the second album <laughs> came out. Yeah, I mean it's it's under. I don't know. I, I hate them, but uh, that's just I where agree. I'm at. It's under. It's under Slayer. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I do, and I do think it's under Slayer in terms of the actual cultural impact, um, strictly because. People may know who Fred Durst is. People may know who Limp Bizkit are, but they don't listen to the songs. I was going to, like, after the year 2001, if you weren't already, like, an adolescent by 2001, you weren't going to all of a sudden go back in time and become a Limp Bizkit and Fred Durst fan. You know what I mean? Like, people now, like, I'll have students in, in my classes who know who Pink Floyd and the Beatles and, like, all those other bands are still. Uh, like they'll know acts like Ray Charles, who that is, but they don't know who Limp Biscuit is. Like yeah. that has not survived at all. Yeah, I had no clue who they were before the podcast. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, I'd be willing just because of obviously the sales would mean that they sold and would mean that people knew who they were at a time. For sure, I'd be willing to go in like the the three. Four, I'm fine three, with that. In between the three and the four. How about three you, and a half? If you go like on. fifty years into the future, I don't think they're going to have. For sure. They're going to be barely but, surviving. Probably. Right. But we've established no, no, a precedent no, no. that we don't do that. Sure. No, I think it's a point. I'm saying that for... Right. I can't wait I think for 50 years from now years until we in come the back and give them a zero. True. I was going <laughs> to say, like 50 years in the future, like when we talk about Ray Charles next, I think his name will be significant for all time in the discussion of music. You yeah. know what I mean? Like people will still know Who? that legacy, uh, but not the Limp Bizkit legacy. Uh, Breath of Work, there are five albums. Uh, they have really good sales, really and they good have sales. the worst music that we've ever heard, except for Alex, who loved it. Uh, like, I uh, mean, I'm gonna be honest. So, with like, you. if it was me, I would take away all their sales points and quality. I, um, I'm really and go straight like, average. I would go into like the fours. No, I mean, I mean, that's fine. Like, I'm I would willing... max out at a five because Alex is the one person who doesn't think that they're awful. 
Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm reading these lists. I'm reading these sales thresholds. Uh, two times platinum, seven times platinum, six times yeah, platinum. Wild. Like, and that's just who the are United you? States. If you're the person who keeps buying all these Limp Bizkit records, please explain <laughs> to me why Fred you're Durst doing that. It's just buying <laughs> millions of albums. Yeah, I just I need to know like Fred what Durst. positive Fred value Durst this is, is having on your life. He literally puts out an album. He puts out chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water, and then buys I six know. million of them. Incredible. All right. One of one of Limp Bizkit's records was one of the I think it was Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Yeah. Was the fastest selling rock album, I believe. Or one of them. That's just insane. Like, like if you look up a, a list of like one. fastest selling it charted albums. At number one. Like yeah, if, in all like over 10 the world. Different places, Nick. I, I don't understand. I it's it I'm losing all faith in humanity. Five point one. Pat, what do you think? I'm gonna be honest with you, man. These sales thresholds, I'm in like a five two five three range. I can go up there only I because there's not six albums, two. right? Like I, instrumental I, I talent. Hated I will not. I will not go above average on instrumental talent. I go significantly below average on instrumental talent. It was bad. The no. bass was okay, and everything else was bad. No, the guitar playing was good. I don't know how you guys it can was sit not here that and tell me good. the guitar playing wasn't good because it, it was. I, everything I found everything about the music completely. Yeah, offensive. you guys are ridiculous. The guitar playing was good. I don't. I don't know how you can sit here and tell me that it wasn't. Because it it was really not that good, dude. It like it really was. I didn't love it, it but was... I I didn't hate. To be fair, I didn't hate it. No, I just I didn't hated hate everything that playing. happened with words and lyrics and melody. Fred Durst's involvement um, in Limp Bizkit is the part I hate the most, but I, I definitely like, didn't I enjoy the music. No, I would be willing uh, for Alex's sake to give them like a four. Okay. Yeah, I can I can live with a four, especially because we know um, what's coming now. Hopefully, I'm going to continue to to be down on them, but much like Slayer, who I afforded points for doing something innovative, I will afford Limp Bizkit some points for trying to genre blend. Uh, but I will afford them nothing more than their efforts in genre blending because the songs themselves were not good. Yeah, but they wrote them all except for the Michael Michael Which, uh, George Michael cover. Uh, almost hurts because it's, they don't have any talent. Uh, <laughs> they get points deducted I'll give them for something. writing all of them. I'll, I'll yeah, give them something. Listen, I'm not saying I'll I'm not give saying like a three. Yeah, that's fine. Three that's seems fine. high, but, but I'll, I'll yeah, let. But you for the it. lyrics, for the lyrics, I'm less than one. Oh, if, uh, if, the, guys, if the lyrics get uh, if the lyrics yourself. get above yeah. a point five, I quit. Like point I mean, five like, only I would because be willing... technically they wrote the actual physical words. Yeah, and now like, to be clear to everyone to at home, point five is what we gave Ted Nugent for writing about <laughs> children. So I think that's about the level Trigger we're at for, for Limp Bizkit. Yes, word. sorry. Well, that's what he wrote about because he's and a we hate him person. and we hate him and we hate the way he wrote his lyrics and they were problematic and terrible. And Fred Durst, while being less overt in his lyrics, right. was just as derogatory and objectifying and misogynistic and all women are bitches and, like, I'm going to do sexual thing, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's the whole yeah, thing. I'm, like, that was his I'm whole I'm still shtick. angry just talking about it. Let's just give him a zero for X Factor and move on to Ray Charles so I can be happy again. Okay, Ray Charles Robinson Sr., was an American singer, songwriter, pianist, and composer. And uh, he was active for so many years. 1947 <laughs> yeah. until his passing in 2004. Right. And we did three yes. albums by Ray. And we, there were many to choose from. There were. Uh, we ended up settling on Ray Charles, the eponymous debut. Love to see it. Uh, modern yes, Sounds in Country and Western Music. 
and then we closed it out with Genius Loves Company. Yeah, so. and Ray did save our eponymous record. Uh, he did. He did today, do so that. Good for him. And he saved more than just that. Yeah, he saved, he saved quite a bit this <laughs> he week. He saved more than just the eponymous streak. Yeah. Uh, Nick, but I have I a feeling Alex hated first. him, so I'll let him. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I'll let Alex, Alex went first, first on, the, on Slayer, Ray. and I went Nick, first. Nick, we all get band. a chance to go first, all right? So You're right. You're right. Um, I love Ray Charles, <laughs> and maybe, maybe I loved him even more than I normally would have just because of uh, the situation going into my listening. To it's Ray. Like a cool drink of water on a hot but, summer day. Oh man, this album was great uh, from beginning to end. I loved every song, and there are some of his really big ones on here. Because and I remember at the time, like Ray had already had a bunch of singles and stuff out. So when the album comes out, it's actually like a, just a conglomeration of a lot of earlier released work. So you have some of his bigger hits like "Mess Around" and "I Got a Woman" and "Hallelujah, yep. I Love Her So," and I absolutely love all those songs. But uh, the thing that I think really sticks out here is it doesn't necessarily matter if they're famous cuts, like they're big singles or total deep cuts. Every song seems to really hold up the same way all the way through. Um, I, sure. I mean, I felt like there were no real downs. Uh, and I loved his voice. I love the energy that he brings uh, to the recording studio. I love the backing musicians. Um, you know, I just, there was no drop off here, just tons of fun and great energy and playing from beginning to end uh what a relief this album was for me especially after last week too because i hated every like it was five straight artists of not good times for me and then yeah. this happened uh alex why don't you go uh i hated this album like it was definitely one of the worst things i've ever listened no, to no I'm kidding. i really enjoyed this album i think ray charles is such a talent um, and, and like Nick was saying, like there was no low lights of the album, you know, even the, the bigger songs were just as good as the, the lesser known ones. Um, and I, I I'm just echoing Nick, like the, yeah. <laughs> it, it was all super fun. It, it, it was all super enjoyable. It was, it was really great. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Okay. Pat, why don't you wrap up on it? Uh, well, I also have opinions on this album. I just want to be clear. Uh, so much better than the others. Uh, Let's be honest. Let's just start off with that. Uh, The one thing that definitely was obvious from the get-go is he has a voice where he just sounds so much older than he was. Yeah, Uh, yeah. very much like Otis Redding did, too. Ironically, uh, something to really pay attention to, he was also 27 when this album came out. So just some of the lyrics that Ray Charles was writing at 27, and a little younger, actually, because they were singles that he re-released, Versus yeah, and he was writing the most of these songs. Frederick yeah. Durst was writing at 27. Just a quick comparison in episode on the difference between these two. The difference is specifically how you write about women, I well, think, would be Well, to be fair, to be fair, and I will say, like, I Got a Woman, I love it. It's a great song. There are problems But there's throughout. an issue. There, there is are definitely, issues. Yeah, like, let's be real. Like, that's not unmisogynistic either i'm not saying that he is is writing everything perfectly i'm saying that there are levels yeah it's definitely better and the music is definitely better 100 percent, definitely better um as you guys had mentioned before uh the writing was more uh, was was mo- he wrote more i believe than was common in this time correct yeah. um which was which was good which was good to listen to it was good to hear you could yeah. get that cohesive sound. 
um, because it was super common at this time to just have songwriters write and then just shove their songs at people who vocalize. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I mean, you, you said a lot of it. Uh, I Got a Woman, a very popular song, which actually was repopularized yeah. by Kanye uh, with the song Gold sure. Digger. Right. Uh, which I'm sure, honestly, sadly, is probably how a lot of people heard that for the first time or heard that yeah, at all. Yeah, I even. bet you're right. Uh, uh, but for the other parts, I mean, some of the highlights for me was funny, but I still love you. Um, I really liked that one. And uh, I'm glad I waited to listen to Ray until after I listened to the Oh, totally. Ones. Uh, and that was pretty much my, my notes on that one. I will go into modern sounds in country and Western music. Yes, please. And my first thought, first immediate thought was, oh, a big band, as soon as it started. Mm-hmm. And was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> because as much as I love the singer-songwriter with a piano, uh, like... Well, you want to see growth and change between albums, you know? For sure, and we had not yet on this episode. Right, definitely. Um, That was our big gripe with Slayer. It was one of our big gripes with Limp Bizkit. Ray Charles, there's a distinct growth here. So I'm happy for him. And that's that's all. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Some of the big highlights for me was it's definitely one of the most highly rated albums of its time, which I think is very interesting. Um, It is... A really groundbreaking album. Mm-hmm. Like it was the first time that people were really incorporating like soul sounds in country music. And mm-hmm. even when you think of country music, like it didn't sound off to my ears. You know what right. I mean? Like nothing about this album sounded off to my ears, which and shows fair, how much to, this album yeah. influenced country music moving yeah. forward. I was gonna say, to be clear, we're talking about country music in nineteen sixty two. Right, exactly, and that's what I mean. Like the fact that we're sitting here listening to it, and as far as I'm concerned, nothing felt out of place shows right. how much it influenced the incorporation of these soul sounds in country music moving forward. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I loved uh, the variation throughout this album. I mm-hmm. loved the incorporation of the backing yeah. singers, the big band, um, yeah, the, the different the different tempos that were used, the different like the variations on these little simple things that really just helped this like really take off for me. Uh, the big one for me that I enjoyed listening to was half as much. And mm-hmm. I love you so much. It hurts now. Yeah. The only thing that I will say my negative for this. Sure. Is that this is what we didn't get on the first record. It's an album of, of like covers and ri- oh, written right. Songs. Which was kind of the idea. I'll and, get exactly. to a little. I'll no, talk I, a little bit more about why as we go through. For sure, want. and I don't. I'm not. Say, I just wanted to be clear that like that is different here. He covered it. Yeah. Um. He's basically the band leader. He's leading a band through sure. the album, mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah. my piece. All right. I'll let Alex talk a little bit about it, and then I'll kind of explain why why maybe some of that happened. I really enjoyed it. Go ahead, Nick. What? You're, you're done. You're okay. You no, talked really more about thought... Limp Biscuit than you're going to talk about Ray Charles. Because I had to defend Limp Biscuit and I had to say something original about Limp Biscuit. Ray Charles, I'm echoing everything you're saying. It was great. I love the big band with it. It was more covers. I thought that Ray Charles sounds amazing, like because he's a great, phenomenal yeah. singer. Uh, like I don't have to. Yeah. I don't have to say anything new sure. with this. Like I'm yeah. not bringing anything new. There's no bass player that I can talk about in this. I don't even know who the right. bass player was. Yeah. Okay. How so to be fair, you. that that's fine. I um, loved Limp Biscuit more than Ray Charles. <laughs> oh, Write it, it down, everyone. Yeah. Uh, so 
here's a big thing that happens with this this album and partially why it becomes so influential and it is definitely considered like one of the most influential albums of all time with like how it inspired different genres of music going forward uh this was ray charles in 1962 just like keep in mind the year this was kind of the break in for a black artist into a bigger white audience Right, so this is kind of what they were looking to do. It was, as we've talked about, with a lot of these like most important artists of all time that we've covered, whether it's Otis Redding or James Brown or Chuck Berry, we look at their sales thresholds and you're like, how are these like the most famous formative artists in so many genres of music not like selling? Where are all the record sales? What's going on? Uh, it was. It had a lot to do with you know racism in the industry and white people not buying what they thought of as black records or they're you know being like a fully different black chart uh where you know black music would be sold and and ranked as to how it was doing so this album was like really groundbreaking in the sense that ray charles is now acquiring because of the style that they chose uh and the songs that they chose for it he's becoming very widely known by the white audience so this peaks at number one on the billboard charts uh at at this time and that's kind of like the big break and that's one of the reasons why an album like this is so important uh so that's that's what i wanted to get out of the way couldn't about have it. said it better myself and it's buddy. and it's fantastic i mean the, the album is great just like you guys have been saying the only thing that i'll mention that's a, like a little bit different is just um if you want to you know we're talking about how it's all big band and stuff but if you want to really listen to ray cut some great piano track the solo on the song worried mind uh, oh, yeah. his keyboard solo is just fantastic yeah, and uh, I, so I do, there's a lot I do of really think great Ray still in it. It's great of you to bring that up now because we're not going to get to really talk about it on the next album, which you're going to bring us into mm-hmm. in a second. Right. We have not yet spoken about I mean, everybody knows that Ray Charles is like one of the best piano players straight up ever. Like, let's be like, let, I'm just saying it. I'm voicing that opinion. <laughs> yeah, he's, now. I mean, he's. Yeah. Well, just because I mean, we had not well yet brought it up. We know, we know. Wait, you're, his, you're, you're his number one, or he's your number one piano player in the whole wide world? Is that he's what not saying? my number one in the whole wide world. But if, you're give, if, I'm, if I'm giving a top ten list, he's, he's probably on it. We should make a list sure. of, yeah. of, of the top ten. We should. Maybe like, we'll figure that out. Keep that in mind for, for a later time, guys. Yeah. Um, but all right, I'll come all the way up to um, 2004 and Genius Loves Company, which was another number one record for him after a long stretch of not having one. Uh, and that is, of course, because uh, Ray passed, I believe, right before the record came out. Yes. Uh, like he basically, this was kind of his last big project that he was able to work on, uh, and it was released posthumously. And because of that, I think it ended up getting, you know, it really hyped up um, uh, because his name was in the news again, just sort of like when Michael Jackson died, all of a sudden all of his albums were selling like crazy again, stuff like that. So this is actually Ray's highest selling album triple platinum which kind of blew my mind when i first looked at it until you know understanding the surrounding circumstances uh but you definitely come into an album like this with trepidation because we were talking about ray's albums uh in the 1950s and now it's 2004 and it's a bunch of cover songs and it's a bunch of duets and like oh i don't know like this formula has not worked out for a lot of artists in the past uh so i had almost really low expectations going in Uh, and it turns out this album is incredible like it's so good like everything holds up really well ray sounds really good at times before Um, you get too much further yeah i just i'm gonna get it out of the way now 
Yeah, okay, I see what you're doing. Just wanted to get one out of the way now, because there's going to be 15 or 6, there's a ton of them. Right, right. Everybody's on the record. Everybody we've done is on this record. Yeah. I'll let you keep talking. Yeah. Oh, I, just okay. want I thought it, you it. might okay. be going into the songs, and yeah. I wanted to get And I the... will, and I will. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this album ended up winning eight Grammys. It won eight. Uh, it's, yeah. it's that good. Um. And what I thought was super interesting as I was reading about it is Ray was originally, like, I guess, approached by the Starbucks record label that they had at the time. I don't know if it's still a thing or not. And they wanted to do, I guess, like this jazzed up duet thing with a bunch of other big names. Um, and so they went a- a- ahead with it. And because they were selling them at Starbucks through the Starbucks label, uh, that accounted for like 30% of all album purchases at Starbucks locations instead of at other places where people buy music. <laughs> so I thought go. that was kind of really interesting that yeah. that really like fueled album sales. Like that's nearly a million records sold at Starbucks. Um, but the songs uh, with, I have, I guess maybe one exception. I think they're all really great. Sorry seems to be the hardest word with Elton John was probably my highlight. Oh, I mean, it so was good. a really great version of oh, the song. Oh my God. And, and I would say, like, in terms of the vocals, like, everybody really keeps up with Ray. They, no one steps on each other's toes too much. It's, there was only one vocalist who I felt like was kind of out of his league, and it was Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, yeah. And the fact that they were trying to do uh, It Was a Very Good Year. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, Willie. Like, I love you and everything. Maybe not the best choice, just considering how many great, incredible singers are on this record, t- like taken on really challenging songs. Oh, yeah. Willie got exposed on that song a little bit. But other than that, I mean, the record is fantastic. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Alex, I'll let you go second. Yeah, I thought this record was amazing, too. Um, I think that, like Nick was saying, I think that this thing, like we saw it with the Doobie Brothers when they brought in a whole bunch of people to record songs and. It was kind of just it. It was good, but it wasn't great. Like, but it was temp- the greatest hits album over again. Yeah, exactly you temper the your way expectations the songs yeah. a little bit. But but they they really kind of hit something here. I really enjoyed all the duets. They made the songs feel fresh. Even like uh, I've I've heard Fever like a billion times. It just keeps on finding its way back into my life somehow. <laughs> right. And uh, you this get that this out. version. Yeah, I should. But this version of, of it was um, great. Natalie Cole sounded amazing on yeah. it. Um, and, you know, I love me some Michael McDonald. Yeah. He was say. on Hey Girl, and I thought that was great, too. Um, and, yeah, all in all, it was a great album. Like, you expected it, like, especially with how old he is at this point, mm-hmm. you know, and being a year before his death, although I don't know if he knew that. Year of. Uh, sure. <laughs> but it, it was it was really good to listen to. Like, I, I was not at all expecting it to be that good. Yeah. Okay, so a couple things. One, I'm going to just go over the people that sure. yeah. Totem Talks has done that are on this album. So we have Sweet Potato Pie that he duetted with James Taylor. Uh, you already mentioned Sorry Seems to Be This hard, Hardest Word with Elton John. Uh, we also had Hey Girl with Michael McDonald and then Crazy Love with Van Morrison. Correct. So I already mentioned Michael McDonald. You did. I, I'm just, did I just too. wanted to just be clear about we didn't mention JT at all. And I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, and we should because that was a great performance as it well. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, the the big thing that uh, you guys didn't mention, which I'm not sure if you guys are just aware of the time frame, I think one of the big reasons this album took off, won all the Grammys and everything, is because this was the year the movie Ray came out and the year ah, he died. Okay, sure. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. So like it's it all happened. Like he, like yeah. he was he was planning on going to the premiere of the movie and then he passed away of liver disease. 
So like all of that happened at once, <laughs> which yeah. I think it was just like a not I don't want to say perfect storm because obviously him dying was not perfect, but like a perfect storm of in terms of what was going to boost cultural the popularity thing, yeah, of and it just yeah. skyrocketed Ray Charles back into the the absolute mainstream. Yeah. And it was really, really good. I mean, his voice is definitely older, but he still yeah. absolutely has it. And he still goes for it at times, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not afraid to still, like, really give it some oomph and some juice and shows that yeah. he still had the juice all the way up until literally the very end of his life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can't say anything more than that. I mean, it was yeah, extremely well produced. It was extremely well like organized and to get all of these artists on board it just really goes to show you how legendary and influential ray charles was that you're getting all these other people many of whom are considered legends in their own right you know james taylor elton john nora jones bonnie ray willie nelson Nelson, michael like bb king does one like the entire list johnny mathis like the entire Mm -hmm. list and you know pat because you brought him up I saw like a couple of the reviews were kind of ripping on the over the rainbow performance with Johnny Mathis. I thought he sounded great on I, it. For, I thought I it mean, was like one of the best versions of that song I've ever heard. It was extremely well done, and I, <laughs> yeah, Johnny Mathis is not young. No, like I think Johnny Mathis no. is like five years younger than Ray Charles, so he was in his late sixties sure. when he did that. Yeah, I mean he's eighty five now, so yeah, he was yeah, in his so, very late sixties. Yeah, so like good for him. I like totally. I, I didn't have any complaints on any of these songs except for as you mentioned, it Willie was a very Nelson. good year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I won't I won't, you know, beat yeah, you guys ears about it. It was incredible. Yeah. So I think maybe max two or three times on any given season we encounter an artist that could get a who 10. has to at least be in an, a conversation for a 10. And I yeah. think Ray Charles is definitely in that conversation it, for a 10. It's I a mean, discussion. Absolute legend. Yeah. And again, I, it's a very similar reason for other artists that have gotten 10s. They've broken He's foundational ground. to almost everything that happens after exactly. him. They've you know? really broken the ground and been the foundation. Uh, okay. Let's put it to, let's Go put ahead. it this way. Sure. We've lauded Ray Charles. We have. we have we've talked about his accomplishments. We've talked about a lot of his fame and popularity. Is there a reason he shouldn't get a ten? Do we have something that that we shouldn't be giving him a ten for? I I uh, oh, listen. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. I think Ray Charles definitely. Okay, you need to. Sorry, my dog. Uh, is Buster licking is licking your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Ray Charles is definitely like in that conversation, and I'm not saying that he gets much lower for this. The only thing is maybe this could just be me, but beyond from like Georgia on my mind, uh, 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 hit the road, Jack, and a handful of other songs that their names are escaping me. I don't know if I know many Ray Charles songs. Interesting. And I don't, and and I think Ray Charles too is, and, and I'm not saying that like, you know, as like a, like it's going to detract many points. And I don't know if that's just me. Cause I could be just like, I know the names. I don't really know many songs. It could be, I know the sure. songs. I mean, I, I think you would know, know, you know, I've got a like, yeah. yeah. Hallelujah. I love her. So is another one you might've heard. Like what we did I say is considered like one of the absolute classics, his version of you are my sunshine. I can't stop loving you. Uh, right. Unchain my heart. Like he's got a bunch of like, songs that were pretty big i guess so yeah okay then it could just be me i i i just think that there's there are songs that are like like they're artists if 
they're in the tens. I think it needs to be like you know the discography all the way across. Like you, see, you know. I understand. Where all right, you're now let from, me just so but, here. Let me tell you this. Yeah. So if you look at the U.S. R&B charts between nineteen, just between nineteen fifty two and nineteen fifty seven. Right, and remember at the time we were talking about like the segregated charts and like not being open to a white audience. On those charts, Ray has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen top ten hits. Fifteen top ten hits in a five year span. Uh I mean that's that's insane. Yeah, but it's, how many of his songs are in the Rolling Stones top five hundred? I don't know, but I would imagine several. Uh, or the they should it I'm they definitely I'm should be. about that. No, you know yeah, what I mean? I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like I think that for me, I don't know if that's just me. I don't know if that's everyone. Like, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm only bringing it up because it could just be me. But like that, yeah. like I don't think it's gonna like it doesn't take much away from it. But I think for like sure. a full ten, it's like the Beatles. Like I can name yeah. you like sure twenty I mean, Beatles songs. To be fa- like I would have said going into this, uh, my ceiling's a ten, my floor is a nine nine. Yeah, I think that's how I feel is, about Ray Charles. Like, I think a nine. I wouldn't works. be willing to go any lower than that. I'm still open to a ten. I just don't think I'm up to a ten. So, okay. I guess then I will, I will make the case for the ten. Sure, go for it. Uh, I think when you get to a certain level, it is not necessarily about the individual songs that the mass, like the mass public, will know, and it's instead about your influence. If you look at the people who've gotten tens. It's not because you can name their entire discography. The it's Beatles, because, yes. Right. But look Buddy at the other Holly, people who got tens. Yeah. Buddy Holly. It's not because you can name everybody Holly song. He can name, yeah. you know, five or six. The average person. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Berry would have gotten a 10 had it not been for, like, a lot of the, like, legal and assault issues. Exactly. Like, we made that clear on the episode. Chuck Berry would have been a 10. Exactly. So I think that Ray Charles and his influences and his ability to become the person that he was and to fight through the adversities that he did to really open those barriers specifically with like the incorporation of the of of the soul sounds in country music which yeah. has just become so much more prevalent nowadays in a good way and just the right. ability to open up those racial barriers mm-hmm. yeah I, it's that's hard definitely to, a big thing too i think like very specifically like what we talked about in the second album of like finally moving r&b music and, and just all music pop music into though, a not sphere even just R- yeah like where it was like acceptable to white audiences is definitely a, a big thing and not just buddy holly doing it in the late 50s as a white man like yeah you know an actual black man being a, like having his music accepted into popular white culture is a big deal yes and multiple ray charles albums have been included on a bunch of different lists of like the best albums of all time yeah. including rolling all stones right. well i'll tell you what I'll go right in between you guys with a 9.95, and we'll round it up to a 10. I love it. You each made your case, and you each made a good case. So I'll stick in the middle, and then we just round. Uh, Breath of Work. Uh, I think Ray is going to suffer here because in his lifetime, he only managed to put out 55 studio albums. Oh, hold on. We there did it is. It. Very good. It's been a while since we got that drop. I know, right? So we give him another 10 for that, for the ability to put that drop. Yes. uh, A paltry 55 (laughs) albums. Uh, for reasons that we've discussed, only two of them went gold, Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music and Volume 2 of that album, yeah. and then Triple Platinum for Genius Loves Company. I had, a, I mean, I know he had a lot of singles and other sales, but I had a really hard time, like, shifting He's through trying to find those numbers. He's suffering from the, the problem that we've had with a lot of these older artists. It's a lot mm-hmm. harder to to kind of quantify these sales numbers um, from people yeah, that I are mean, back I think in the 50s. 
55 albums of excellent music that is of significant import. Uh, we should probably... Cons- uh, I mean, I know that, that there's some sales for that. I think we should probably be at a very high number here as well. Oh, um, easily. Probably. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to catch the Beatles 10, considering they have like 600 million album sales. Like they're the, no, and I don't you know I what I mean. Put Ray but like, up in that and range. I don't think he should get that either. But I wouldn't object to a nine or like it I somewhere in that neighborhood. I was thinking about a nine flat myself. Yeah. Okay. Uh, instrumental talent. I mean, it's dude's got pipes. Dude's got pipes. Um, dude's got pipes. Dude's he's a very play. good piano player. And I mean, we haven't mentioned uh-huh. it, but everybody knows. But he he's one of the best piano players of all time, and he's completely you did blind. Mention it you did mention he it. No, is, I'm saying that you he's did blind. mention that he's oh. blind. That's fair. We've managed to go. Wow, that's without mentioning so that he was original. Blind. But I'm just being yeah. like, able to play piano and be blind. Call, I can call only, Stevie Wonder. I was like, I can only. Well, think where do you copy Stevie, Stevie learned Wonder's, it? Stevie yeah, right. learned it from Ray. Stevie Wonder's just copying it from Ray Charles. Unbelievable. But uh, I mean, yeah. So realistically, uh, it, it's tough to to top him on this, right? Like we I may mean, not, not have, we may not ten. be up at a ten. No, for sure. But I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Vocally, he is significantly above average. He's an extremely he's good singer. Definitively the best vocalist of the week. Oh my god! He's I don't even think that's one of the even best close. vocalist of the season so far. Of the season, yeah. <laughs> I would agree. I would definitely agree with and, that. And I mean, best instrumentalist of the last uh, couple I don't know. weeks. Yeah, you think Fred Durst topped that? I thought Adele was really good. I oh, think Adele, Adele was like Adele is definitely there. Yeah, so far she was like number I one agree. for me. I can't That's, argue with you on that. Yeah, there we've had a lot of good vocalists this season. I just know, not recently. In the last couple, we had Brendan Urie too. Brendan Urie's, yeah, he's very good. All but right, anyway, so at the we, end, where are we at, Pat? What's the number that you're thinking? Because I have a feeling that Alex's number is lower than your number. And that's probably true. I'd be comfortably in like the eight range, eight, a little bit above an eight, personally. Okay, Alex, what did you think? I mean, he's a really good piano player, and he's a really good singer. Like, there's no detracting qualities of it. Right. Are you okay uh, where Pat was I around was, an eight? Yeah, sure. I was, I'm okay also, I mean, that. do we consider it an instrumental Why talent do you think I was going to go lower? Leader? I don't know. I just had a you, – you just seemed – like you were maybe no, ready to like challenge him a little bit just to like. No, he just made he made the keep him in he check. said it was the best of the season. I had to. Double I would check just that. listen. Sure. I'm trying to. Uh, yeah, I'm no, an eight, to, I'm uh, totally fine. He's a hype man for Ray Charles. Yeah, but like I'm just uh, I'm curious of your yeah. opinions on that. Do you consider no. it a, like a talent? Like where would we no. quantify like being a band leader? No, because I Nick and I will tell That's you. A good question. I, I'm sure you probably know too, Alex. You went to we school don't for do music. it that often. How tough it is to do. It's a definite skill. No. What? Alex doesn't agree. He no. doesn't think it's, it's not instrumental talent, dude. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying it needs to go here. I'm not saying we need to increase the score. I'm curious as to where yeah, we would put it. Yeah, it's interesting as to what it uh, is. You don't. I don't think so. Okay. I don't think I, you put it anywhere. There you go. I, uh, I don't songwriting. Agree go, so, go for it. Yo, Pat, tell me why. Tell me why, Pat. What? Tell me why. Ain't nothing but a heartache. <laughs> no, but like, tell me why. Oh, uh, I see what he did. Like, we should. Why is it hard? Uh, because it's. It's very hard. I mean, Nick and I went through conducting class, and it was it was not easy to do. And that was just plain conducting beats and measures to not only do that, but then also to be the front leader, like instrument, like leading a group, not just conducting it, but also band leading it. That seems like it's a talent to me. I mean, you don't really conduct while you play. You still got to be able to True. keep everyone in line. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. enough rehearsals, you just do that. Like, it's, True. Like, and yeah, if you get, I mean, if you like, get it's not like he's playing with it's incompetent musicians. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely... Like if you get, I, listen, if you I'm not good saying... Musicians. I wasn't trying to give him any points for it anywhere. I was just saying, like, maybe something we think about if we get more band leaders. Okay. We've had a couple this season already. Fair enough to consider. 
Sure. Uh, songwriting talent, uh, there's good and bad here. On his first album, he wrote a lot. Since and that he time, he has written a lot. So since that time, though, it, as you go through and look at most of the albums of his career, they are majority covers. Like yeah. a lot of what he releases, and most is of majority his majority covers. Too. Yeah. Now yeah. I will definitely still be willing to give credit to the sense to the arrangements of those songs uh and the like the genre forming of those songs and the genre blending of those songs uh and the way that he does them but there's definitely some issue here like the score has to go down uh based on how like it's definitely a majority of his discography is covers and that's 100 percent. i'm okay with that uh he's still we're still miles above average here but not in the stratosphere. Not where we could be. Alex Alex has made a face. He or are we miles know. above average? I, I don't mean, know if we're miles above average. He, didn't, miles he above- didn't write a lot of his songs. Yeah. Yeah, like, I do. The songs he wrote, don't get me wrong, the songs he wrote were brilliant. I mean, by miles yeah. above average, I'm talking like in the sixes. Brace I'm not Beats saying, is also brilliant. I'm not saying okay, I can, plus. I can settle. I can settle on a six. In okay. the sixes. Six is at miles. Yeah, six is a little bit above. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, poetic you, talent. You, 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 I, were just, you were just talking to you. were like, yeah, it's miles yeah. above average. I'm going to go nine well, and yeah, a half. Well, yeah, because there's, I was ten, ready to be like, there's, whoa, there's whoa, more whoa. than ten. First off, I want to be clear. I was above a six. You guys you guys just shut me right out of being able to give yeah. my number there. Well, so, I was, oh, okay, I so thought like that you guys four. had agreed on it. I'm, no, I didn't I'm get looking, a chance to. I'm looking at, at his, his singles right now. And f- for the ones that do have, like, you know, Wikipedia pages, I see written by this person, uh, written by this person, uh, written, and then there's a couple that are like from like the 54 to like kind of like 59 that's like written by Ray Charles. Ray Charles, right. And then it goes back to like written by this person, written by this sure. person. So like I don't like – like I think, yeah, I give him credit for the arrangements. But, you know – I, I But that's where we give him get, credit here and then he's not going to get credit for the lyrics. That's certainly true. That's certainly what I'm saying. I'm saying like he's above no, average. Like, I mean his credit like, here is no, arranging. No, hold up. If he wrote like an album of the songs, that puts him at like what, a one? Of what? 55 albums, if he wrote one album worth of songs, it's a one. Right. And Although, then you give I mean, him credit I for think the arrangements, clearly, and that can go up to a six. I'm, I'm ceiling out at no. six. I think clearly. Uh, but He you did know, write more than one like album worth of songs. Now. Three or four yeah, but 55, songs the, on a the bunch of his other albums. Huge majority. We're not giving. Okay. Oh, hold on yeah. a second now. Hold on. I mean, here's what happened. We are not going to take away points because of 55 albums coming out. We have done this no, in the I'm past, saying, and we've had this I'm argument before. The majority of the songs. No, we've had this argument before. Covers. If somebody comes out with six albums of original music, and somebody comes out with 55 albums where six of them are original music, the 55 album guy gets more. You can't take away points because 49 of them were were covers. Sure. Um, uh, so what I what I wanted to say was what would help you guys a little bit like most of his like late fifties into early sixties discography is where he's writing either the majority or a good number of the songs. As it gets further on into his career, he starts writing less and less and less, and there are a lot of albums of full covers. So like but multiple after albums first, of like. Uh, multiple albums that are at least heavy on originals. No yeah. albums entirely of originals. Well, yeah. Um, so, like, does he probably have, like, five to six albums worth of songs that he actually wrote? Um, you know, when you combine all of his discography? Yeah, probably about that. Um, but not much more than that. And that would probably be being, like, liberal with the way we apply Ray Charles songs to these records. So I actually don't really hate where we ended up with six. I think that kind of makes a lot of sense. I'll stay with the six, then. Uh, but he will get hurt. I mean, again, we can give him some credit because 
he was writing on some of these songs. Um, he did not actively offend me uh, for the most part. So that was, was never that offended. was an improvement. That was a, a a major improvement from a lot of the artists we've been. Hey, you were to never recently. offended. Did you not hear the song that he wrote called "I Hate Patrick O'Leary"? I hope that he did. He never has a successful band. Pat, if Ray Charles offensive. was writing that to me while I was at most twelve, okay. Actually, no. I think because he, he died in March, so at most I was eleven. So if he would picked you have a quit random, music if if Pat, if he said Patrick O'Leary quit music, would you have quit music? No. I would have used that wow. to to uh, to front my music to catapult career. yourself to be great. You heard yeah. it here, everybody. Patrick O'Leary is going against Ray Charles' dying wish that he quits music. If I was yeah. the All last right. thing on Ray Charles's lips on his dying wish of was my name, then I would already be, be rich and famous. Pretty interesting. Yeah, That's that true. is true. All that right. So true. where are we at for po- it's not going to be good. No, it's not going to be like bot- bargain basement like Limp Biscuit was. No, it's like it's Better like a than two. Limp it's the like lyrics, a two. Those That's things that he exactly came out with were good, and were very good, and he didn't write a lot of it. So about a two. Exactly. But he definitely gets X Factor. Yeah, I think that the clear. question is, does he get five? Is it for I being mean, blind? Yeah. For I mean, for being bl- two points for each eye. Two, yeah, oh two points God. for each eye, and then so, you know, again, obviously, he's a formative artist in uh, popularizing R and B and soul and blending it with country music and bringing it to new audiences. So I have a I question. Mean, that's I have all a question. clear. I, have a question. I think I've asked this question before. We we've already. What, what's the X factor for? Anything that we don't cover with the other stuff. Because we covered his formativeness in in the uh, in True. getting that popular. Now we do in cultural impact. We do give so, X factor points for artists that we consider to like have invented or taken part in creating a new genre of. Yeah, music. like Richie Valens. I remember we did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ray Charles so, is definitely part of that. I think yeah. Ray Charles okay. can definitely get some points towards that, towards those ends. Uh, we mentioned, like, is eight Grammys for one album's, like, actual wins some kind of record? Hold on. Let me look up how, I was going to say, wins. how often does does one no, album I th- win that I many? think I think... Um, so he's yeah, won and, and, a total of 17 Grammys. Okay. He's got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He of was course. one of the first inductees to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He's received the uh, Kennedy Center Honors. He has an Academy Award of Achievement. Oh, we should mention he was in the very first class of inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He yeah. was in that 1986 class of, like, you know, what people would make very well consider, like, the most important and formative artists. So Ray Charles uh, holds the most posthumous Grammys won in one night. Okay. With, this says five, but the page for it said... Not. Okay, I can tell you right now because I have the most Grammy-winning albums of all time as of 2021. There are okay. two albums that have won nine. Genius Loves Company has won eight, so it's one short. So it's one of short of the record. Yeah, Supernatural. Only U2's How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb and Santana's Supernatural have one more. Wow. Yep. Um, some other stuff so, just just to keep going. Uh, he's one of the few uh, music artists in the mu- musical icon series uh, that has a forever stamp. By the USPS. Oh, nice. So uh, what is that? United States Postal Service. A forever stamp? A forever stamp. You put it on letters. People oh, like it's just a stamp? It's a stamp. It's like people collect I thought stamps. it was like some like Karim. Oh, okay. It's a oh that's fine. so it's one of the it's a stamp that will never expire. Oh right. it's a forever stamp. I didn't know stamps did expire. If you don't well, most people buy forever stamps, honestly. I'm not I'm not much of a stamp aficionado. Sure. Didn't know you were a pet. Well, I you am. know, his father works for the service. He does. 
But I'll tell you what, man. Yes. You look at this this class of 86 for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's incredible. Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Little Richard, and Elvis Presley. See, and it's because, like, at, they didn't have to start, like, sh- sifting through, like, like, they, they, because, like, at a certain point, you would duck all the artists, and then you're yeah. just only faced with, like, sure. it's like okay. if, if, like, like Nick says, if we did Totem Talks and just covered all the great artists in the beginning, by, like, season 17, we'd be like, uh, here's a here's artist Low Totem. One album. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ugh. We could have okay. us low totem hey, square okay. off against British low totem. Exactly. All of the all of the stuff. I mean, is he a five? Is he a full five? Is he a four? What do I you mean, think, Alex? Uh, I don't know. I really don't formative know. influential. Um, all of those awards and accolades have typically gone here. That's to, true. Who who have we given fives to? Uh, the Beatles just, and Buddy Holly, I believe. I don't know if we've given a five to anyone else. Uh, sure, we could do a five. Yeah. Matt, uh, yeah, that's what you I, want? I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, listen, I tell me not, tell me why not. I don't, yeah, I don't have any reason why not. So, all that's, right, I don't know if that's the best argument for why, but I like, think, yeah, like, like I, gave, I, I think I why gave not? Yeah, but what why. you said Here's before thing, is better. I think yeah, a lot of what we covered in in you know, don't what be like we're prove a negative, right now, prove a negative. What were we saying right now was we we that's why we gave him a ten in cultural impact. But it's just, and, I mean, we did that for the Beatles too, and for Buddy Holly. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't here for the Beatles. I was here for the Buddy Holly. But no, saying, Buddy like, Holly. We, same. we gave him for Buddy the, Holly. We talked about a lot of different crash. things. Yeah. The plane crash was part of it. The like Ray standardizing also dead. the band lineup that, uh, that he did, as well as writing. <laughs> did he know, die from a plane crash? That's the question. He did he not did die, not in, a die in a plane crash. Zero frax factor. Like, I agree. Honestly. Look, I'm willing to no, go I mean, four, I think, but I think, that's my floor. I think no. Yeah, I think four on the floor. All right, because, all right, George. Let's because do four you mentioned Forever now. Stamp, and I don't think that's much of an X factor. All right, I've got. I mentioned Forever then. Stamp after mentioning his 17 Grammy Award wins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grammys right, are. Right. Do you want to know who lost name, the episode? Have we done another artist with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Uh, You're gonna have to give me time to look that up. Uh, Justin Timberlake probably has one. We did NSYNC. I mean, there you go. All right. Anyway, uh, so do you want to know who lost or what? It's gonna be it's gonna be Limp Bizkit, isn't it? <gasps> How dare you? You loser. I wasn't even looking. Yeah, it was Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit really rose above expectations and outperformed their skill with a full 16.2. 16? That's at least 8 yeah. points too high. I agree fully. I would. I, let me be <laughs> very clear. I would listen to Pavement before I listen to more Limp Biscuit. Wow. That is maybe the first time Pat has ever chosen Pavement over another artist. I would listen to a, a repeated album playlist of all of Pavement and, and the first Jesus and Mary Chain album before wow. I listen okay. to more Limp Bizkit. There you go. Uh, and then, of course, winning the episode. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Oh, nice. Uh, I assume everyone knows that it was Slayer, uh, but it was Ray Charles. Uh, and Ray Charles won this episode with a 39 flat. Oh, okay. Yes, exactly nice 39 score. points. Uh, Slayer, on the other hand, came in second place with a nice 22.6. Okay. Well, there was was definitely a discrepancy between first and second there. There Ray Charles really ran away with this race. But I'll tell you what. If you added Limp Bizkit's score to Slayer's score, they would come within .2 points of tying Ray Charles. So Slayer and Limp Bizkit just need to form a super group, and they'll be (laughs) as good. 
Almost. Yeah. Almost. According as good. to our formula and also the end of this podcast, if that ever right. were to happen. And, and we've always talked about how supergroups are always exactly a sum of their parts. And <laughs> oh, like they're easily. always it's one of the never things we talk about worse. often. Yeah. They're great. Oh guys, we did it. We got through it. Yes, we did. Nick, do me a favor. Tell me next week's oh. better. Um well, I have some hope. Oh, I have no. some non hope. Oh, we shall no. have to see. But I'll I'll go a little bit on the neutral side. Next week we're going to cover the penguins. Okay, I like them. They can't fly. Yeah. They're in Antarctica, dude. How how do they make music? <laughs> That's what we're going to find I out next know. week. We're going to find out. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, it's been a blast. Uh, hopefully we hopefully we didn't turn away all of our Limp Biscuit Slayer fans. I'm sure there's a ton. Sla- Slay Biscuit is that what their supergroup name would be? Limper. Limper. I like limper. Limper. I, I mean, we said it at the same time, so it's got to be limper. Yeah, it's got to be right. Um, okay, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, hopefully, you guys will tune back in next week and as we keep going through our musical journey to find the best artist of all time. So, uh, you're, we apologize for making you listen to these albums. Uh, hopefully, you guys can still find a way to have a great day.